0: Today, on Grace to the Hearers, with Pastor Eric Kluth.
1: By the grace of God, God gave Israel seven days, and God was able once again to deliver Israel from the hand of their enemy. But the word compromise in that first two verses really just stuck out to my heart. The Lord ministered to my heart because especially in the days that we live in and how the world is churning more evil and it's getting darker and darker, we as believers in Christ are going to be faced with saying in the truth or not. There is no room for compromise.
0: What happens when we compromise the truths of God? In his message, Pastor Eric shows how fear of the enemy can lead to compromise in our beliefs. If we choose to give in, we are buying into lies and deception planted by the enemy when we should be standing on the promises of the Bible. Well, let's join Pastor Eric for part one of his message in First Samuel 11. I
1: titled the message tonight, of uh, 1 Samuel 11, Compromise the Silent Killer. Compromise the Silent Killer. And so before we get into the, the message, though, I want to read this story to you. I thought it was quite interesting, and I had to share it. Uh, it's quite, quite interesting. So I'm going to share it with you guys, okay? A New York family bought a ranch out west where they intended to raise cattle. Friends visited and asked if the ranch had a name. Well, said uh, the would-be cattleman, I wanted to name it Bar J. My wife favored Susie Q. One son liked Flying W. And the other wanted the Lazy Y. So we're calling it the Bar J, Susie Q, Flying W, Lazy Y. And the friend said, but where is all your cattle at? And the one said, that owns the ranch, he said, none survived because of the branding. (laughs) It was too long. They were all dead. The family couldn't compromise. There wasn't a compromise there, so the cattle died. Compromise. The definition of compromise means this a way of reaching an agreement in which each person of the group gives up something that was wanted in order to end an argument or dispute. Now, compromise, the title of the message, Compromise the Silent Killer, uh, compromise is not always bad, okay? Especially within a marriage. Those who are involved in being married know that compromise is a very good thing. But compromise can also lead to death. This evening we're going to see how compromise can lead to that death. So we're going to read our passage verses 1-15 through of chapter 11 of 1 Samuel. And then we'll go back through it and kind of dissect it and see what God has for us. And so, Father, Lord, I just ask right now that you would just speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we come to you needing you to teach us. Uh, I need you to teach me, oh God. And so, Lord, may we apply your word, what we learn tonight, into our daily lives, Lord. May we have hearts that have ears to listen. And so, God, may we hear your voice tonight. We thank you for this time. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Verse 1 of chapter 11 Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, Make a covenant with us and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered on this condition, I will make a covenant with you that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel." Then the elders of Jabesh said to him, Hold off for seven days that we may send messengers to all the territory of Israel. And then, if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you. Verse 4. So the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people. And all the people lifted up their voices and wept. Now there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field And Saul said, What troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh. Then the Spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news, and his anger was greatly aroused. So he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with... Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on the people, and they came out with one consent. Verse 8. When he numbered them in Bezek, the children of Israel were 300,000, and the men of Judah 30,000. And they said to the messengers who came, Thus you shall say to the men of Jabesh-Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you shall have help. Then the messengers came and reported it to the men of Jabesh, and they were glad. Verse 10 Therefore, the men of Jabesh said, Tomorrow we will come out to you, and you may do with us whatever seems good to you. So it was on the next day that Saul put the people in three companies, and they came into the midst of the camp in the morning watch, and killed the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And it happened that those who survived were scattered so that not two of them were left together. Verse 12, Then the people said to Samuel, Who is he who said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men that we may put them to death. But Saul said, Not a man shall be put to death this day, for today the Lord has accomplished salvation in Israel. Verse 14, Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal and renew the kingdom there. Verse 15, so all the people went to Gilgal, and there they made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. There they made sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord, and there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. So we, he- we see here uh, a scene where there is an attack coming upon Israel. And prior to this scene, we know that in the past weeks that Saul was getting ready to be king. Samuel anointed him with the oil and then recognized it in front of the people of Israel. But in verse 27, there were still some in Israel that doubted his calling as king of the nation of Israel or the tribe of Israel. Because in verse 27 of chapter 10 said, but some rebels said, how can this man save us? How can this man save us? And so here we see Saul's action and the Lord coming upon Saul to save Israel from their first battle. And so we're introduced to a man named Nahash. And he is the king of the Ammonites. King of the Ammonites, you guys. And his name, guess what his name means? You probably don't know, maybe you do. His name means snake or serpent. Interesting. Keep that tucked away in your head. Because the Ammonites, you guys, came against God's people. The Ammonites were the descendants of Lot. They were the descendants of Lot. They lived on the east side of the Dead Sea and the east side of the Jordan River. And so we see in our story, in our text, that the Ammonites came and they encamped around Jabesh-Gilead. Jabesh Gilead was a Jewish city on the east side of the Jordan. And the Ammonites surrounded Jabesh, and they were ready to attack them. They they surrounded them, and they were getting ready to go to battle against them. Now, the elders of Jabesh called for a covenant. Another word for compromise. Let's work this out before we go to battle, Please. And Nahash agreed on one condition. Did you guys catch that one condition? In verse 2, it says this. On this condition, I will make a covenant with you that I may put out all your right eyes and bring reproach on all Israel. So Nahash agreed on the one condition. We pluck out your eye. Your right eye at that. And that, by doing that, we can bring disgrace upon all Israel. Do you agree to this? Do we have a deal? Well, Jabesh then asks for seven days and says, You know what? If if we don't receive help in seven days, we will come out to you and we will serve you. Pretty crazy, huh? Now, granted, Jabesh, Gilead, the Israelites were being obedient to God's law. What do I mean by that? Why didn't they just fight Nahash and the Ammonites? Well, because they were being obedient. How are they being obedient? Well, Deuteronomy 2.19 says this, And when you come near the people of Ammon, do not harass them or meddle with them, For I will not give you any of the land of the people of Ammon as possession, because I have given it to the descendants of Lot as a possession. So God told them, told the Israelites, Do not fight against these people. I've given them land, and it's their land. Now, here's the catch. Was the Israelites going to war against the people of Ammon? No. The people, uh, the Ammonites were coming against who? the Israelites, trying to take over their land, their city. So they could have fought, but instead they were looking to choose a compromise with the people of of Amman. So now we see that this compromise and this negotiation is going on between the two sides. Kind of sounds like today, doesn't it? There's negotiation going on in the Middle East over land, and we see that Jabesh sends out messengers. They send the messengers out to the, the people of Gibeah, where Saul was at. And when the messengers came in, they told the news of this Nahash guy coming in. And he wants to pluck out all of her right eyes. And everybody starts weeping so loudly that who heard it? Saul heard it. Saul heard it. But where was Saul at this time? He was in the field watching over this sheep. Okay? And so he comes back in and he goes, what is that cry? Why are the people crying? And then when the news was told to him, the Spirit of God came upon Saul. Now we noticed last week in our study that the, the Spirit of God came upon Saul and he became another man. And so here we see again, the Spirit of the Lord coming upon Saul and Saul ran away to his house because he was afraid. no. He was angry. He was angry. In a sense, he had that righteous anger because the enemy was coming upon his people. In a sense, the the anger that I could imagine that Jesus had when he walked into the, the temple and saw the people selling and he flipped the tables, that passion for them to coming against his father. Well, the children of Israel are God's chosen people. And so that same anger came from the spirit of God. That same anger, okay, was from God. You're messing with my people. And that fell upon Saul, and he was angry. And he says, you know what? He cuts up this yoke of some oxen and says, I'm sending it out all to the children of Israel. And if you don't join up with us, this is what's going to happen to your oxen. Some call it a scare tactic. Uh, I would probably be, I would agree with that. But he got the point across. We need help. We need help, and we're going to go battle with our brothers. Come out and help us. And so Saul then goes out and he gathers 300,000 men from Israel, and from Judah there was 30,000. 330,000 men ready to go to battle. That's a lot of people to go to battle. They're ready to go and fight. And so then Saul tells the messengers to go back to Jabesh and tell them that they're coming. Saul tells them, tomorrow, by the time the sun is hot, you will have help. For us in Arizona, that must mean like, what, five in the morning during the summertime, you know? But over there, it's different. And he tells them that. And so then the messengers tell the people, and they were glad. And so then the people say to Nahesh, hey, we're going to come out to you, we're going, tomorrow we're going to you know, come out to you, and you can do as you please. Well, in their mind, they know what's going to happen, right? That they're going to go to battle. And so then we see that the uh, Israelites come, they battle, God gave them the victory, and it says in verse 11, that it happened that those who survived were scattered. There was no two of them who were left together of the people of the Ammonites. Pretty amazing, And so then after that, you know, there's some people in the group of Israel saying, who says not to bring Saul in as king? Look what he just did, right? This guy's the man. Yeah, he just brought this great victory. We need to bring those guys and find them, and we're going to kill them today because they don't know what they're talking about. But Saul says, hey, we don't need anybody dying today because today the Lord has brought salvation to the house of Israel. Man, so far, I'm impressed with Saul. I'm impressed with this guy. You know, he's open to the Lord. But I bet many of you know what happens to Saul. And we'll see in the weeks to come what happens to his heart. From there, Samuel encourages the people to go to Gilgal. And they go to uh, commence Saul as king. They make sacrifices to the Lord. And Saul and the people rejoice. And... It's a great dynamite story. But the interpretation that God really gave to me about the whole chapter is this. Compromise just about brought destruction upon the children of Israel. By the grace of God, God gave Israel seven days, and God was able once again to deliver Israel from the hand of their enemy. But the word compromise in that first two verses really just stuck out to my heart. The Lord ministered to my heart because, especially in the days that we live in and how the world is churning more evil and it's getting darker and darker, we as believers in Christ are going to be faced with saying in the truth or not. There is no room for compromise. And so today, picture the church, and when I say church, am I speaking of buildings, No, I'm speaking about the individuals who believe in Jesus Christ, okay? Picture the church as Jabesh Gilead, and then picture Satan and his army as Nahash, the king of Ammonites. Because remember what Nahash's name means, you guys. What does it mean? Snake. Snake. Serpent. Well, that also can be translated to who? Satan, right? And Satan and his army... I truly believe this, and um, he is encamping around the church today. He's encamping around us every single day. And again, the church is you. Well, let's learn about who Satan is. I know that we, many of us know who he is. He is the uh, fallen angel of the Lord. But the Bible says this about his character in 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Okay, so we see that he's our adversary, he's like a lion, and he's looking to whom he can devour. The second thing about Satan and his character is found in Zechariah 3. Verse 1, it says, Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. So not only is Satan looking to devour, but he is also there to oppose you. To bring opposition. Finally, Luke 22, verse 31, Jesus said this. He said, Simon, Simon, indeed... Satan has asked for you, that he may sift you as wheat. So late, Satan looks to devour you, Satan looks to oppose you, and Satan looks, looks to sift you. And so when Satan has encamped against you, you can easily become afraid. You can easily become afraid. The human instinct is to avoid war to avoid war, avoid battle. And war, let me get this, because some people thrive off of conflict. War is different than conflict. War is where life is lost. War is where life is lost. And so as the church, we can be afraid when Satan and the enemy encamps around us. And looking at the world today, Satan has continued this plan of uh, surrounding the church, surrounding others, but really the church is the target because why? Because the church is proclaiming the good news. The church is representing Jesus Christ. And if he could take out the church, then everybody else will still be blinded and they don't need, he doesn't need to worry about them hearing the good news because the church is no longer in the equation. And so it seems to me the more you get involved with Jesus Christ, the larger your target becomes on your back. I'll say that's true. And so when the believers are circled, his intent is to bring fear into you so that then your hearts would be so fearful that you would want to Work out a deal with him to compromise so that the attacks won't be so strong. But this is where we must stand, church. We must stand in the truth. And many in the church respond to the devil's encamping like Jabesh responded Please don't kill us, please don't attack us. We can't take this. We don't want to be attacked anymore. In fact, I've said it many times myself. I don't want to go through this battle. I don't want to to take on this attack. Don't kill us. Satan is just like Nahash. He is more than willing to come to the negotiation table. He is more than willing to negotiate with you. Because once he knows that you will negotiate that's when he knows that he has you because he knows if you will compromise he will be able to come in to destroy you if you compromise he will be able to come in and disrupt what god is doing because you are now opening yourself up to the lies of the devil why is he able to do this because you have left a crack in your house. You've left a crack open with compromise, and through that crack, Satan will slip right in into the home because of compromise. Interesting. Now, remember Nahash, and he said, I'll make a deal with you guys, but I will need to pluck out your right eye. Now, By taking this deal, Jabesh Gilead would have been worthless in battle. By taking this deal, by compromising and saying, you know what, okay, we won't die, but we'll give you our right eyes. By doing that, they are giving up their ability to fight. Losing their right eye would make it almost impossible for them to fight. Because if you don't have an eye... You're like this with a sword and a shield and you already lost the side of vision. So what can happen? Okay, you can't see me. What You're dead. It would make them almost impossible to fight against Nahash and the Ammonites. So do you really think that life would have been peaceful for the people in Jabash, Gilead missing their right eye? Do you think it would have stopped there? I mean logically the Bible doesn't tell us so I can't say that it wouldn't have been but thinking if I was a military guy and I was coming and I was making negotiations and I said I'm going to pluck out all your right eyes is that okay yeah okay that's fine and these guys are idiots you know now I'm going to go in there and they're all missing the right eyes (laughs) The city's ours
0: You've been listening to Grace to the Hearers, the radio ministry of Pastor Eric Kluth of Calvary Chapel Coolidge in Coolidge, Arizona. CD copies of today's study are available when you email us at info at com. That's info at com. Today's message, as originally presented at Calvary Chapel Coolidge, can be downloaded from our website at gracetothehearers.com. If you can't get to your computer to download or place an order, you can always call us at 520-723-7047. We'll be happy to help you. Again, that number is 520-723-7047. We are so blessed by the technology that we have these days. Most of us have numerous versions of the Bible, and now with mobile technology, we have the Bible right on our phones and tablets. Grace to the Hearers is available in podcast format for use on any device. Simply log on to gracetothehearers.com. And follow the links to subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Or simply search for Grace to the Hearers in the iTunes store. Again, our web address is gracetothehearers.com. Subscribing to a podcast like Grace to the Hearers is a wonderful way to infuse God's Word into your everyday life. Please log on to gracetothehearers.com today and subscribe to the Grace to the Hearers podcast. Now please place a marker in your Bibles and make plans to join us again. Pastor Eric will continue teaching verse by verse through the book of 1 Samuel right here on Grace to the Hearers.